Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the middle of the week, last day of the month of November, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, and of course, on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Thank you for being with us. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You can visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com to book a tee time or schedule your trip. Beautiful weather today after the uh, severe weather that made its way through the state of Mississippi yesterday. There was some tornado activity. You know there are some areas where there was some uh, damage, and hopefully uh, you are okay. And uh, your friends and your family and uh, your acquaintances and everybody else are okay in the aftermath of uh, yesterday's storms. If you want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love for you to join us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. So last night, we had the Connerly Trophy presentation. We were supposed to have this wonderful award ceremony at the Country Club of Jackson. We were going to be there. Uh, but because of the storms, they had to go to a virtual event. Uh, so lost a little bit of the pomp and the circumstance, but doesn't take anything awa- away from uh, what a cool award this is for the best college football player in the state of Mississippi. And, guys, we've talked about it leading up to the award. The, the ten finalists from the ten football-playing colleges or universities in the state of Mississippi this list was as good collectively as it has ever been when you look at all of the guys who were up for the award. There were a lot of deserving candidates. No question. No question. I mean, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, right before you came on, that you know, college football in, in this state always produces winners, always produces great talent, always produces superstars. And you had a number of guys last night that if they, their name had been called, I don't think anybody could have had a, a real argument against them. Completely agree on that front. When the uh, the award was announced, the winner, probably not surprising, Quinshawn Judkins. So uh, the, the freshman running back for Ole Miss had the single best season for a running back in the history of Ole Miss football. He's had a single season rushing record. 
He set the single-season touchdown mark for rushing touchdowns of 16 and added another one for good measure with a receiving touchdown. So 17 total touchdowns and was just remarkable throughout the course of the year. Are you guys on board? Led the SEC and was top 10 in the country? Yeah, all of those things. All of those things. You good with this being the right choice as winner of the Connerly Trophy this year? I, in part, contributed to (laughs) him uh, winning the trophy. Uh, Had him number one, Forbes two, and uh, Shador Sanders number three. That was my ballot as well. Judkins one, uh, Forbes two, uh, uh, Sanders three. I did a little research. I think I talked about it yesterday. He's now the eighth running back to win this award. Of the previous seven, he had more yards rushing than all of them except for Damian Fletcher in 2007. So more than Deuce, more than J.J. Johnson, more than Anthony Dixon, more than Kylan Hill, uh, more than all those guys. So, you know, and you break an Ole Miss record that it stood for 70 years. I mean, that 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 catches the eye. Yeah. My ballot was slightly different than the two of you. Um same three guys, different order. I picked. Uh, I voted Quinshawn Judkins first. I had Shadur Sanders second, and uh, Emmanuel Forbes third. I admit that there's a little bit of an offensive bias there, and you know, right, wrong, or you know, most people, at least with the Heisman Trophy, are like, oh, I'm just picking the best player. They won't admit necessarily that there is a bias against defensive players. Although I do think a year ago. If I had had a vote, I think I would have voted Will Anderson number one. I mean, it would have been really hard not to put Bryce Young one. But obviously, this is a conversation. This isn't the Heisman Trophy. It's the Connerly Trophy. Best player. I thought Quinshawn Judkins was the best player. I don't know, man. I, I just, with what Shadur Sanders has done in terms of leading that team to an undefeated mark, uh, I thought it was really, really impressive. Um, I could also be persuaded that I was wrong. And that when ultimately there's no persuasion needed, do what? I said there's no persuasion needed. We we already know. No, I just mean <laughs> in this particular uh, event. If you're talking about the best Richard football being player, a Homer again. Yeah, I hear you. Um, <laughs> Forbes is so incredibly talented, and yeah, what really stands out to me is how good his numbers are in terms of takeaways, given the limited number of opportunities he had to make a play on the football. His his success yeah. rate when tested is off the charts. So the, the, the stats from our friends, at, at Lane Kiffin's friends at Pro Football Focus, 15 targets this year. They only threw at him in man coverage 15 times. He only allowed three catches, which means he had twice as many interceptions as he had catches allowed. And yeah, he had as many touchdowns on interceptions as he had catches allowed. That that's a, an incredible stat. It's why he was definitely worthy of being a finalist for the, the Thorpe Award. I still am not quite over that slight. And I, like I said, I, in a normal year, he would have been number one. And I told myself my my thought process was: I held my ballot until after the Egg Bowl. I, I told myself, if he makes a play in the Egg Bowl, if he gets a pick, I'm going to put him at one. But he didn't. And I thought the body of work for Judkins was just too strong. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Judkins' worst game was the Egg Bowl where he ran for 91 yards. I mean, uh, it was just phenomenally consistent. And, and did that 
with another back in the backfield who rushed for 899 yards. It's not like he was the the, the only right you know guy getting carries back there. He was splitting carries with another really good running back. You know, if if Zach Evans isn't there, how many yards does Judkins run for? 1600, 1700, 1800, something like that. Yeah. And to me, competition level matters. And I know the counter argument is, oh, so you give it to an Ole Miss or State player every year? No. But when you have candidates like this one, uh, th- then you you can't. When you're giving an award for the best college football player in the state, that's what the award is, right? It's not most valuable player, not quarterback on the best team. It's the best player. Quinchon Judkins every week, for eight of the 12 weeks anyway, was running against a bunch of defenses with NFL players all over the field. Every SEC team has NFL players playing defense for them right now. Every offense, at least in the SEC, that Emmanuel Forbes was up, up against has wide receivers that are going to be playing at the next level. In the Egg Bowl, there's at least two on Ole Miss's roster that he faced that will be playing at the next level. A&M has three or four, maybe, that are talented enough. Alabama has three or four that he's... I mean, so when you have the seasons that they had against the level of competition that they played, that puts them over the line to me. If they didn't have those numbers, if it was more pedestrian and the teams were really bad, sure. But Ole Miss and State going 8-4... and four, does not sway the fact that you're picking the best player. Not the best team, but the best player. And to me, right, wrong, or indifferent, you can tell me I'm crazy for thinking this, nobody else that was nominated could have done at the level that Judkins and Forbes did at that level. They were the only ones on that list that could produce the way they produced at the level in which they did it, and that's why I put them... Uh, ahead, yeah, yeah. I got, I've got no issue with that. Um, yeah, and I, and I don't, I don't ever get too far down. The, you know, you play who you play. You're on the team that you're on. If you put up monster numbers at Millsaps or Delta State, I, you know, it has to be considered that, that for me anyway. But at the end of the day, Judkins put up monster numbers at Ole Miss. He led the SEC in rushing as a true freshman. I mean, that, that those are great numbers. He broke a, like I said, a, a record that had stood since 1949. A lot of good running backs have come through Ole Miss from 1949 to 2021. Quality backs have been there. Our friend Deuce McAllister among them. But he's got the one with the record. It was really an impressive season. And, you know, when you go, when you go a little bit deeper on Quinshawn Judkins' numbers and you look at, you know, where he built some of those stats throughout the course of the season, who he had big games against, it uh, it, it stands out. I thought I had his game-by-game, game, right? Here, here it is, the game log. Uh, against Mississippi State, it was a lower rushing output, right? 90, 91 yards, an average four yards a carry. Against Arkansas, 214. Against Alabama, buck 35. Against Texas A&M, 205. 111 against LSU. 139 against Auburn. Only had 46 against Vanderbilt, but that was the one time this season where Ole Miss went out and said, you know what, we're going to beat you through the air. And in that game, Jonathan Mingo set a single-game record for receiving yards. He had 106 against Kentucky, 140 against Tulsa, 98 against Georgia Tech, 104 against Central Arkansas, 87. All of that added up to almost 1,500 yards, 1,476 yards and 16 rushing touchdowns. Also had a receiving touchdown to go with 116 yards there. 
A truly remarkable freshman season for Quinshawn Judkins, and that is why he is the Connerly Trophy recipient this year. Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Final day of the month of November. We turn the calendar. We turn on Mariah Carey. We get our cookies out. We start eating. We start making sure that presents are going. All of the stuff. All of the stuff that happens in December. If you rank the months of the year on the calendar, where does December rank? I'm, I'm between third and fourth. I see you thinking hard. Okay. One is easy. One is November. Okay. November is the best month of the year. Because that's um, the year of, it's the month that I was born, right? So, yes. Yeah, that's that's the birthday we're worried about in in, mm-hmm. in 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 this month. You're absolutely correct. Of November, right? Yes. Um, okay, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Nobody on this show's birthday more important than yours in November. All right. So who um, else in in, uh, in, in in what's number two? What's number two? What birthday? No month of people on. Oh no, no. We have firmly uh, thinking, established why number one is number one. But what's number two? Ah. Uh, <laughs> Probably, probably March. Oh, okay. Why? March is March is. You've got March Madness. The weather starts to get better. Starts warming up a little bit. You got college baseball. Really, start, that's when SEC play starts up. I like March. Hmm. I could be. I could March be is December such a 3rd. tease on the weather, though. It can be, and that's when you get a lot of you know you get some some bad weather in there too, but. But it starts getting better at that point. You start getting those weekends where, you know, everything's in the 70s and, you know, it's, it's good. It's good. Borky, this is going to really hurt somebody's feelings because there, there's somebody that was born in every month that's on the calendar. What is the right. last place month on the calendar? February. February is a good choice. Okay. Cold. Not a Valentine's guy? It's sh- I mean, it's short, it's cold. I mean, you got the college basketball is at its peak right there. Baseball starts, but eh. You I mean, do have nothing worse than going to the ballpark. It's 40 degrees outside. The Super Bowl helps. Yeah. But that's all it does. That's all it's got. Because March Madness the obviously didn't month. happen until March. There's no other I disagree playoffs. with February. I disagree with February being the worst month, though. July is the worst month. Oh, well, I mean, from, from, from a fan of Russia like you, I would not expect anything else. What, but the, the, it feels the middle like... of the, ba- 
the middle of the 162-game season happening. Ooh, big games in July. Yeah, but, man. It's also 120 degrees everywhere you go. Beach, pool, celebrating the independence of our great country. Mm -hmm. July 4th is the only thing good in, in July. I mean, if you nickname your dog Sputnik, maybe you're less inclined to enjoy the uh, the, the month of July. You probably, call, you probably call your cat Sputnik. Man, there was a day last July where I, I didn't put a shirt on all day. It was the best day ever. At no point did I wear a shirt. <laughs> Thank God you, that wasn't a work day. It was not. It should have been. I'm going to make a work day like that for y'all one day. I'm going to pull a Burt Kreischer and just sit here bare-chested. Just shirtless. Oh. Yeah, I'd go November one, December two. I think I would put May third. May, okay. Yeah, kids get out of school. Always a lot of build up for the start of the summer. You've got a holiday, so there's a holiday weekend in there and Memorial Day. Best month of the the college baseball season, kind of leading into the postseason. That's when the weather stops teasing you and it really gets good. Kind of done with the spring rain. Golf season is heating up. There's a lot there in May. Yeah. Uh, Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. August is the worst month. It's 105 degrees. There's only preseason football. School starts back for the kids, which means money spent on school supplies. Preseason football better than no football. It's an interesting submission, but uh, there's just so much more you can do when it's hot versus when it's cold. When it's 40 degrees, you can't do anything. When it's 104 degrees, you can still go do fun stuff. You know what I mean? No. Don't wear a jacket. There's there's still stuff to do. What are you, a pansy? I mean, what's... People like to go to ski lodges and stuff. People who have cross money. What's fun about 40 degrees as opposed to 100? Can you go to the pool when it's 40? It's I can put it. on a jacket at 40 degrees. I can put on a parka. Yeah, but then do when what? When it's 104, I only have so many layers I can take off before somebody calls the cops. <laughs> I mean, you know, I get down I get down to that thong, people are like, "Sir? <laughs> sir, could you please put back on the banana hammock? Put the <laughs> Exactly. Nobody wants that. You can eat chili when it's cold. There's another thing. Or there's lots exactly. of stuff you can do when it's cold. If you just bundle up, just just go yeah, do it. Le- but less of it. I'm. T- I, I like. I like nah. water. I, I like being in the sun. I mean, it's just there are way more. So activities. heat up the pool and swim. Yeah, I don't have a pool. I like okay, these so things I too, to but I don't like. I don't like when I walk out the door and my glasses fog up. Oh. I don't like that. Mm. I don't, I don't, I don't like when I, you know, context. I get sticky walking from the door to the car. If I have to bundle up like an Eskimo just to go outside, that's not fun in any instance. Mike yeah. says the Masters in, is in April. Just saying, April's uh, good. Uh, Neshoba County Fair is in July. Josh in Philadelphia points to that. I, I, I think that means he thinks July is the best month. Nah, come on now. Uh, March is turkey season. That's a big deal for a lot of people. A lot of people. All right. Sorry, that was a waste of time. No, that was great. April is worst. Baseball starts. Whoopee. Hard to tell the results. That's from Mike in Grand Bay. 
We just all agree that November is the best month, though. It's got uh, everything you want. Amanda in Pike County, always good. I, I might actually say, <laughs> I might actually share Amanda's text from the Gerard show yesterday because I didn't get to it. Um, we were talking about the Merriam-Webster Word of the Year. Did you guys see what that was for 2022? The Word of the Year? Yeah, gaslighting. Gaslighting was the Word of the Year. Yeah. The previous two words of the year were vaccine and pandemic. So at least we got away from that. And we were talking about all the different variations of gaslighting and whatever. And and Amanda chimed in yesterday. She said, my ex-husband was really good at Webster's Word of the Year. Oh. Did I tell you that joke about gaslighting? Uh, I don't think so. Yes, I did. Well, I don't remember. I told you. Okay. Shut up. It took you a second. Uh, Anyway, Amanda's, uh, yeah. I hate December 26th through February. March is groundbreaking time for spring planning, and my birthday is in February. Okay. Borky, do you want to provide the definition of gaslighting? It has been requested. It's a fancy word for it's basically, lying. It's a no. fancy word for lying, but you're lying to evoke a, a, a response. You're not lying to defend yourself. It's you know, it's like, hey, did you steal those cookies? It's like manipulative no, I didn't steal them because you don't want to get in trouble. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. like it's like if Haydad gets here and says, "As a big win for Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl." Mississippi State didn't win the Egg Bowl. They didn't win. <laughs> That's gaslighting. Yeah. It's lying, intentionally lying to somebody to to cause them to question themselves being correct. Yeah, right. Manipulating right. someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. Yeah, I do yeah. that every day. Perhaps Not gaslighting, we, uh, to question my own sanity. Yeah, it's a great band called the Gaslight Anthem, by the way. Oh, really? Very, very oh. good. Yeah. They just reunited. New album coming out. Good stuff. Well, that's good to know. That is, uh, that is good to know. We got college football playoff rankings last night. Do we have reason to be angry? Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of debate. Perhaps a little bit of debate. We'll get into the new top 25 for the college football playoff rankings and what that means for us or uh, uh, us as consumers of college football. We'll do that uh, as we continue on Sports Talk Mississippi. You can be a part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business, backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do, right here in ceasefire country. Check them out online at ceasefire.com slash business. We will be right back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. (laughs) 
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. We will get into the college football playoff rankings in a bit. Thanks for being with us this afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. And for our first guest this afternoon, it's a first-time guest. We go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. Go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Matt St. Jean is uh, the sports anchor at WTVA in Tupelo. He has been covering high school football uh, all season long, and we are now to the final weekend, the weekend in which six teams will carry the golden ball off the field as state champions, and uh, there's a great chance that uh, a bunch of those teams are going to be teams from the WTVA coverage area. Matt, thanks for a few minutes of your time this afternoon. How are you? Richard, it is a honor and a privilege to be on Super Talk Mississippi today. I appreciate you all having me on. Yeah, great to be with you. So, so let's just jump right in. appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time. Let's start with 5A. That's the game that we get on Friday night, the uh, the end of the, the Friday night games, West Point and Picayune. This West Point team dropped a couple at the beginning of the season. Everybody looks around. They go, what's wrong? And then you look up, and they don't lose the rest of the way, and they power their way through the playoffs, and they just keep running the football. This matchup is fascinating because it's two teams that traditionally that's exactly what they do. They run the heck out of the football. They're basically mirror images of one another. They've got great athletes that can run the ball. I mean, Dante Dowdle uh, for Picayune is one of the best running backs in the state. I think he rushed for like 280 yards and five touchdowns in the South half final. Um, so he he had a couple touchdowns, about 150 yards rushing last last season. Um, and I think everyone in the stadium at the Rock last year was kind of looking around like, ooh, I didn't think West Point could be pushed around like that. Um, and I talked to Chris Chambliss yesterday, and, you know, they're a motivated bunch to, to prove that last year was a fluke, and they've been in the state championships seven years in a row, but they've lost wow. the last two. So I think they're a real motivated bunch. Matt, Matt, on the 6A side of things, I think before we can talk about this matchup between Brandon and Starkville, we've really got to talk about what happened in the south half and the north half. Let's start up north. Starkville, of course, in the uh, in the viewing area, and then Tupelo in your backyard. Um, that game, there was so much leading up to it. Tupelo has been not just the best team, but the most dominant team in the state in terms of what they do offensively and what they have allowed defensively. And yet you look at Starkville, and they're one of those teams that throughout the course of the season, they just kept getting better and better and better, and here we are, they're back in the state championship game. Yeah, Tupelo, before last Friday night, had given up a total of 17 points at home, period, in eight games. So when Starkville came out and scored 20 straight points, um, everyone that I was with was completely shocked. And I think so So were the Golden Wave. Um, but then Tupelo, like you said, they're, they're skilled players. They have so much speed on the field at all times. So they were able to get back into it, and Starkville was able to take that punch and keep rolling. And I think Trey Petty is such a difference maker uh, on the field with both his arm and his feet. Um, you know, he has several D1 offers, including Mississippi State, and he he really put the team on his back. Um, and from what Chris Jones told me about just the team in general is that they were banged up in the middle of the season. Um, you know, Trey Petty didn't play in that first uh, Tupelo game because he was suspended. So um, I think 
Soto getting the chance to get in the playoffs, um, when they snuck in, I was like, man, it is going to be epic if they end up playing Tupelo. It was a great game. Um, but, yeah, they, they have talent everywhere. And people don't talk about their defense that much, but they've got some real dogs on that side of the ball as well. Was there some shock in and among the, the Tupelo folks that uh, that it came to an end? Because it felt like this was this was that year. They've been so close so many times and yet haven't been able to quite get over the hump. And here we are once again, one game short of getting to play for it all. Well, I think the shock came in the middle of the season when they dropped three straight district games. Like this team, you were basically penciling them in into the North Half Final at the beginning of the season. Um, and then to see them, you know, get blown out by Madison Central, then go get blown out by Clinton, and then lose the Tupelo at home, people were like, oh, well, I guess it's next year for them. Um, but nobody told them that. So it was, uh, they, they are definitely a hungry team, and, you know, they haven't won a state championship since 2015, and I think they think that's a, uh, that's a travesty in the circle ranks that they haven't brought home a gold ball in that long. Yeah, and then what about Tupelo, right? I mean, that, they're in the exact same boat. What Was there shock surrounding the Golden Wave program? Yeah, of course. Um, I, I think that Tupelo just has played so well. Um, they had great support around the town. I mean, the whole stadium was, was packed. Uh, but this is, this is a team that has a lot of guys returning. Um, so I think Ty Harden, you know, it took them three years to really get them to be playing at an elite level. And I think they're a team that's going to be back. You know, sometimes in football, I mean, you guys know this, like you run into a hot team that's peaking at the right time. Um, and I don't think I don't think anyone is beating, is beating Starkville in the North Half uh, this year, just based on how they've been playing and how they've played with such a chip on their shoulder. And, and then in the South Half, where Brandon beats Ocean Springs, Ocean Springs had, had they had answered the bell over and over and over. We've talked about six A, the fact that a, a team from the coast has not been able to get to that state championship game, and it. Felt like maybe the Greyhounds were finally going to do it, but uh, the Brandon Bulldogs had other ideas. It really sets up what should be an incredibly good championship game at 6A. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm just pumped that this is the 7 o'clock game on Saturday. Like This is the game that you want to be ending the weekend is, yeah. uh, is Starkville and Brandon. And, you know, Brandon was there last year and they lost, and uh, I think they're motivated uh, to really bring it home. Uh, but, I mean, you, if you can contain uh, an athlete like Braylon Hubbard, like, that means you have some serious players. And I don't get to see as much of the South. Um, obviously, I'm invested in all the teams that we have in the North. Um, but you, you just know that if you're only giving up 21 points and you have arguably the best athlete on the field um, on the other side, that means, you know, you can really get it done and, I think Brandon Starkfall, that's going to be the marquee match of the weekend, and it's just exciting that that's going to be the final one. And, and not to make light of any of the 4A, 3A, 2A, 1A teams, but from what you've seen from the north, where you've got McEvans coming from 1A, Charleston, a traditional power in 2A, Noxaby County, another traditional power in 3A, and then in 4A, Louisville, uh, again, stop me for repeating myself, but another traditional power. Give me a storyline or two, Matt, as we've got about two minutes left that, that pops off the page for you. I think it's Knoxville County and Raleigh. I think that's going to be an awesome game. Knoxville County, they've got elite athletes everywhere. 
Um, and, you know, they have a lot of history of getting to the state championship. They were there two years ago. Um, and can they stop, uh, you know, the old Miss commit Perkins uh, um, for Raleigh? I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And the South just has a lot of guys, like, across the board, 1A through 6A, that, you know, I hear rumors of uh, up north. And anytime a player is good enough that I hear about them up in Tupelo, uh, I'm just excited to be able to watch them play. Um, Knoxville is a, a team that was also banged up at the beginning of the year. Their starting quarterback, sophomore Kamario Taylor, I think you're going to hear a lot from him in years to come. Um, just as he gets his hype rolling around recruiting, uh, he didn't play until midway through the season. Um, and then after they lost to Amory in district, they haven't lost since. Um, so I think they, um, the sophomores that were playing in that, or the seniors that were sophomores playing in that 2020 championship, you know, when they got blown out, I don't think, uh, I don't think they want to have that feeling again. That's a game that I'm really looking forward to. And that's, that's the one that kicks off all the action on, on Friday. That's the first game, uh, or, yeah, Friday. That's the first game of the weekend. So I'm looking forward to that. And then, you know, Big Louisville, they, uh, their defense is, is amazing. You know, they beat Poplarville two years ago, 15-14, to 14, on the last second two-point conversion. I anticipate, like, that's going to be a similar game against Mendenhall, that it's going to be a slugfest um, and a pretty good game. As for the Delta teams, you know, it broke my heart to not see Biggersville and, and Eupora get down there. But um, if they're beating those two quality teams like that, um, I think they're going to be fun to watch as well. Uh, but I think Bay Spring in 1A and Scott Central in 2A, they're, they're, uh, they seem to be pretty unbeatable this season. Yeah, kind of feel like uh, prohibitive favorites in those games. Matt, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Good catching up. Uh, I know it's going to be a great weekend of high school football in Hattiesburg with 3A, 1A, 5A on Friday. 4A, 2A, and then 6A to cap it off on Saturday night. Great catching up with you, Matt. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, guys. And I uh, just want to add this in. Emmanuel Forbes is Rob. i got to put that in for Hey Dad. He was robbed of the Thorpe Trophy. Rob. He says he was robbed of the Thorpe, tro- uh, Thorpe Trophy. That's uh, Matt St. Jeans from WTVA in Tuflo Sports uh, Reporter Sports I, Anchor I didn't detect there. any lies there. Yeah. No, on, on, on that front, he... Uh, who are the finalists? Who are the three in front of him? I have to look. It was a kid from TCU, a kid from Illinois, and a kid from uh, Utah. The Utah kid had the same number of picks as Forbes. The other two guys had three each. Oh. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? No. No. Matt joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll be right back. The sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi.
from one TV guy on the Farm Bureau guest line to another TV guy on Twitter, Kevin O'Donnell, who is a sports anchor and reporter with Fox 13 in Tampa, has got a lot going on his Twitter timeline. So you've got openings right now, coach openings all over college football, but his focus is on USF and kind of the American Conference, but he's talking about some connect-the-dots. He says that Jamie Chadwell has been offered the head coaching job at USF. This was eight hours ago. I've confirmed that Jamie Chadwell has been offered the head coaching job through multiple connections, and that was made on Tuesday. But Liberty is also making a push for Jamie Chadwell. And he says, I've been told don't sleep on Jamie Chadwell and Liberty. There's lots of money there and a better situation over that currently at USF. But here is the one to me that is most interesting. Because the name that a lot of people are watching is the name of Deion Sanders. He tweets that Deion Sanders has been telling recruits that he will be at a school on Sunday. And the decision appears to be down to Colorado, Cincinnati, and USF. I don't know Kevin O'Donnell at Fox 13 in Tampa. Um, there's enough ambiguity in that tweet where he when, when he says we'll be at a school on Sunday. I mean, I suppose that school could be Jackson State. He will be at a school on Sunday. It's clearly not what he's talking about. What do you guys make of that? I, I sidebar. I'm kind of mind blown that Jamie Chadwell would. Go to Liberty. That doesn't make sense. USF, you know, different place outside of the state, sure, but okay. Money, man. Uh, yeah. Money. Gosh, triple, man. triple his salary. Go from one and a half to five. You just, you, you got to be hokey there, and he's not. Anyway, um, Colorado versus USF or Cincinnati. I think USF is clearly the third not being in a Power 5 conference. Cincinnati's about to be in one. Headed to the Big 12. So, where would you go? Call me crazy? Might be Cincinnati. I think the question... that they're, they're like, So, you're right. USF staying in the American makes that difficult not being part of the power five but you do know that the wait no we don't know do we there's no guarantee that the top ranked group of six team is going to the playoff right it's the top six conference champions yes top six conference champions so it could okay. be one group of five it could be three it just depends so USF just opened the doors to a brand-new football-only facility. They've got plans for an on-campus stadium, and that is the most fertile recruiting ground in all of America. The state of Florida and really that particular part of Florida, Tampa South, I mean, 
playing in an NFL stadium right now, transitioning to an on-campus stadium. There are a lot of reasons that that would make sense. And it feels to me like someone like Deion Sanders, if USF was willing to make the financial commitment to him and his staff necessary, could absolutely tear it up in recruiting. What is Cincinnati's... Don't you have to look at the three of those and ask a different question, though, than you're, we've asked you're, in the past? You're framing it differently, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's a really good point. The 12-team playoff does change things. I was completely not even thinking about what that means because you don't have to be in the power five. Now, it's, it's still going to be harder. The yeah. road for a group of five is still a tougher one to pave. But he's going to out-recruit everybody in the AAC. You know he will. If he's got the resources to do it. Because Deion Sanders is not going to look at that and go, I'm trying to out-recruit in the AAC. He's saying, I'm trying to build a championship-level roster that can get to the playoffs. Yeah. Period. And so the question is not, what are the facilities? What's the fertile recruiting ground? It's If, it, if it's down to those three, and clearly I'm putting words in his mouth without knowing him, but if I'm Deion Sanders, which which I'm not, but if I were in those in that situation, I would say, I need to know what the NIL situation is. Because reportedly Luke Fickle was not in love with the NIL situation at Cincinnati. What's Colorado going to invest into name, image, and likeness slash pay for play so that I can go get players? And what about you, South Florida? What are you going to give me to go get players? And if the answer is not satisfactory, I'm back at Jackson State next year. Yep. Sports Talk Mississippi, one hour in the books. We will be right back. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Four o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Glad as always to be with you. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. Check them out online at ceasefire.com. Slash business. Ryan Brown joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ryan, I don't know if you've had this experience or not, but uh, as I have bumped into people over the last few days, they were like, man, you guys really haven't had anything to talk about lately, have you? Sarcasm intended. Same for you in the state of Alabama, right? Yeah, I get that almost every Sunday at church, Richard. I'll be like, you know, walking, you know, down the hallway to the service and people, go, oh, you got a lot to talk about tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, that's what we call football season. And, uh, and, and you throw in, uh, two coaching searches in this state, both of which have wrapped up in the last couple of days. One of them bigger than the other, obviously. And, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's been plenty on the plate. Oh, and by the way, they're going to have a college football playoff without Alabama, it appears. And we thought that was against the rules around here. Yeah, uh, apparently not against the rules. There are probably folks are going, wait, two college searches? So Trent Dilfer, now the head coach at UAB, we don't really have to talk about that, but that news did uh, did come out. Um, 
The news that a lot of people are talking about is Lane Kiffin not the head coach at Auburn. Hugh Freeze is the head coach at Auburn. Press conference, introductory press conference yesterday. Uh, let's start big, and then we'll kind of kind of tighten up from there. Give me a big picture thought on the last three weeks leading up to yesterday. Well, I mean, up until. Gosh, I mean, I guess what the the day or two after the Egg Bowl, really, I guess Saturday after the Egg Bowl, I, I think everyone in Auburn would have told you it was Lane Kiffin. And certainly, and I don't have to remind Ole Miss fans of this, I think the performance by Ole Miss against Arkansas and the performance by Ole Miss in the second half of the Egg Bowl, especially there late, had the hallmarks of a coach that was on his way out. I mean, you see this all the time, and you saw it with Hugh Freeze, frankly. But, I mean, everything pointed at Lane Kiffin, and I think everyone in and around Auburn would have told you uh, it was it was Lane Kiffin's job, and that was just the expectation. So I think there was a great deal of surprise um, when word started leaking out Friday and then it got confirmed Saturday that Lane Kiffin wasn't coming, and then everybody turned their attention towards Hugh Freeze because all along it had appeared like, you know, whether you want to call it 1A, 1B, or option A, option B, option 1, option 2, whatever you want to call it, Lane Kiffin appeared to be the lead horse, and Hugh Freeze was always the fallback. So I, I think everybody knew if the Lane Kiffin deal didn't work out that Hugh Freeze was going to be the next stop. And and I don't think anybody would have been – I think everybody would have been shocked if he had said no, right? I mean, Hugh Freeze would, oh, yeah, that would was have crawled to Auburn to the SEC. That was a given, yeah. There is always uh, an excessive amount of spin at the end of a coaching search with the, you know, this is the guy that we targeted from the beginning and we got our guy and, oh, yeah, never actually offered a job. Are there people in and around Auburn who are trying to, at least in the aftermath, convince of it, yeah, you know, Lane Kiffin, but not really? Or or is it just yeah. everybody knows they went after Lane Kiffin, they thought they were getting Lane Kiffin, and it just didn't happen? I think the fan base, the rank and file fan base knows that. Uh, John Cohen is the only person I've heard say that, and I don't even believe John Cohen believes it. Did I get his name <laughs> right this time? Yes. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think. But I don't if think you John had Cohen not, I promise I would not have corrected you. <laughs> I don't think John Cohen even believes that when he says it. I think it's what an athletics director has to say. I mean, I have lived through a ton of these over here. You've lived through them in your state. No athletic director stands up and says, you know, we did a nationwide search and I'm stunned at how many people said no, but we found this guy. I mean, you're <laughs> never going, you're never, you're never going to say that. I mean, you're always going to pretend like this was the guy we targeted from the beginning. So I'm sure, and John Cohen didn't take questions. He, um, he was asked to take questions at the press conference. He, uh, they, those questions were denied. So you don't really, we don't really know his thought process on it outside of what he has said in a statement and then what mm-hmm. he said when in introducing Hugh Freeze. But, I think everybody realizes that Lane Kiffin was the primary target and that Auburn always knew they had Hugh Freeze in their back pocket. That um, with the baggage Hugh has, that I don't have to tell people that listen to this show and watch this show what that baggage is, they all know. With that, if the powers that be at Auburn could stomach that and get past that, that they knew Hugh Freeze was a guy that would say yes at any time. And frankly, nobody else was going after Hugh Freeze this year. Auburn was apparently the only school that was that, that had interest in getting him from Liberty. Yeah, what, the only other thing was like there was some rumbling about West Virginia, but I don't even know that West Virginia has actually made their mind up about what they're doing. Or maybe at this point they have made up their mind and uh, decided to, to stick with, with Neil Brown. Um, I thought the press conference itself 
Lane, uh, can't believe I did that. Hugh Freeze kind of played the hits, right? I mean, he, he went through the emotional part of thanking his family for standing by him along the way and learning from mistakes and all that stuff. And then it was like he took a deep breath and he switched gears and he switched into football mode. And I'm talking about the confidence level. It was like it just shot through the roof of the building. I mean, he's, you say football mode. He switched to Baptist preacher mode, deep south Baptist preacher mode. Okay. I mean, it, no, it was, it was wild. We were, we were live on the air at the time. And, uh, my two uh, show hosts that host the show with me, Lance Taylor and Jim Dunaway, when he did it, because, you know, it was a very tearful, emotional moment. He said, I'm not going to get choked up. Then he immediately got choked up, of course. And, and, you know, fought through that. And then, like, like you said, just took a deep breath. And, buddy, it was like a switch flipped and we were at a tent revival. And, we all said the same thing. That's what it felt like. It felt like he was preaching. And, um, you know, he, he, he won the press conference, but nobody's surprised at that with Hugh Freeze. I mean, he's an engaging guy. He is a charismatic guy. You know, I, I, he would have, if it's all about a press conference, he's going to blow Lane Kiffin out of the water. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. So you knew what you were getting with him, but you're absolutely right. And once he started that, once he started down that road, um, it was, it was salesman. He was selling, um, he was selling his product. And he got to ask a couple of the tougher questions. He got to ask, you know, your normal softball layups, you know, that he's prepared for. And, um, you know, all in all, I think everybody that, that liked the hire left even more excited. If you didn't like the hire, you know, there were probably some people that got won over by that. Yeah. I mean, if you're just giving a letter grade to that press conference yesterday, it was as solid an A as, you know, as A's go. I mean, there was... Nothing to, you know, even the the slightly more difficult questions. I mean, there was a plan on how he was going to answer those because he knew it. And now it turns to football. And to me, that's where it gets really interesting, right? Because I I had somebody at Auburn, you, you may know better than I, tell me that there may be as many as 45 roster spots that turn over on this roster this year. One, that's difficult Two, it gives you a chance to flip a roster in a single offseason. Well, he, he's going to have to be really good in the transfer portal. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Now, you know, normally when you say somebody's got to be good in the transfer portal, everybody immediately goes to quarterback. And, you know, Robbie Ashford has, has shown some raw ability, but I, I honestly believe he's the type of quarterback Hugh Freeze can get something out of. I, I, I actually think that's a pretty good marriage. So I'm not entirely certain you go quarterback shopping. Now, look, if something presents itself and you look at it and you're like, I cannot say no to that, maybe you do it. But but I, I'm not certain quarterback is the immediate place they'll go. They absolutely have to have help at offensive line. It has been a problem at Auburn. Gus Malzahn recruited offensive line poorly, especially late in his time there. Brian Harson just recruited poorly overall in his time there. So offensive line has to have help. So that's 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 step one. You've got to fix your offensive line. And then you've got to see, you know, I don't anticipate. I, I can't verify the number you were told, 45, but I think it'll be a lot. And, and and who knows who hits the portal? I mean, we've already seen today some guys that actually were productive at Alabama, like Treshawn Holden at receiver, has, has entered the portal. So just because a guy has a good year doesn't necessarily mean they're going to stick around for a new coach. So, yeah, I mean, I think there will be um, there'll be a revolving door there, and, and you'll have to – the recruiting has not gone well. There's a signing day coming up. I, he's behind the eight ball there. It is going to have to be heavy, heavy, heavy transfer portal for him over these next few weeks. Do you get, and, and we may have to carry this into the, the next segment if there's not enough time here, but do you get the, um, 
there's been so much talk about NIL and, and the amount of money that is there and is available. Is it going to be like spending like a drunken sailor in terms of building the roster, or do you think it's, they're going to be careful with how they go about promising, distributing, et cetera? Well, that's a seconds, little difficult. Break. Okay. Yeah, and I can do that in 30 seconds. It's difficult to answer because they weren't doing it under Brian Larson. So yeah. I don't know what their philosophy is, but they were very disorganized. And that's one thing about the NIL is they finally have found some organization and have some centralization. So I do think it's in strong shape. How they use it remains to be seen just because we haven't seen them really effectively do it yet. Yeah, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how it goes. We will uh, we'll talk SEC bowl picture. Ryan said something a second ago. We didn't know that they were allowed to have a college football playoff without the University of Alabama. And I guess there's still like a crazy outside shot that maybe they could get in, but it man, it would take a weird, wild weekend. Uh, seems unlikely. So we'll get into the SEC bowl picture and more when we come back. Ryan Brown from the next round and the next round live is with us on the Farm Bureau guest line. More coming up after this. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey Ryan, I'm curious. Speaking with Ryan Brown from the next round on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. When you when you look at the Hugh Freeze to Auburn thing, I think most people look at it and go, "Okay, he's going to win." Um, he's built programs, but the question is about sustaining and w- will it be good enough for Auburn over a long enough period of time? And whether you look at Ole Miss or Liberty, the highs were really high. There were some lows, and sometimes the lows in terms of football almost immediately followed the highs. I mean, you, you, you think about the what, 2015? season for Ole Miss, they beat Alabama, but they lost to Memphis that year. It's like, how do you make all that work? What do you think the football piece of it is going to look like? And, and you know, that year you mentioned, it's funny, we were talking about that the other day because that year benefited Alabama, the Arkansas play, right? The Hunter Henry toss over the shoulder to, to Alex Collins. And we still marvel at that play. I know Ole Miss fans do not want me to bring this up, but there literally were 21 guys. But, but I'm guys. sure Brian Haydad is fine, so, you know, talk, talk about it all you want. Right, Haydad? So you have my attention. Yeah, Haydad yeah, hey knows this. So, I mean, Hunter Henry's got the ball. There are 21 other guys on the field. The one guy you wanted it to go to was Alex Collins, and it bounces right up in his hands. I mean, it's crazy. But that play sent Alabama to Atlanta. And I, and I will tell you, there are a lot of Auburn fans that are like, I mean, look, that was a once in a one in a million shot at that happening and keeping him out of Atlanta. And with all due respect to Ole Miss, a lot of Auburn fans say if he can get Ole Miss to Atlanta, he can get Auburn to Atlanta. And frankly, I mean, Richard, you know, uh, uh, Brian Harson notwithstanding, because he coached a year and a half, you know, everybody that's going there, I mean, from Pat Dye to Terry Bowden to Tommy Tuberville to Gene Chizik, who got I mean, all these guys got fired, by the way. Gene Chizik, uh, Gus Malzahn, they've all, you know, gotten to Atlanta. 
They've all had a really good year. They, by and large, have come close to or won a national championship or come close to winning one or been in the hunt for one. So, I mean, pretty much everybody that goes there at least has one of those years. But what you just described with Hugh Freeze is kind of what Auburn football has been. Great highs and, and painful lows. And that's what that's what it was under Gus Malzahn a lot of times. And, and you know, the thing is, so, so you mentioned it, right, with a, a bunch of coaches. I mean, you got to go back. I don't know how far you go back to find a coaching situation at Auburn that didn't end kind of ugly, right? I mean, uh, yeah. For, for for everybody to some level, I mean, I guess with Pat Dye, it was kind of NCAA related, and Terry Bowden ends up getting fired, and Tommy Tuberville, it got weird in the middle, and then he recovered, and then it got weird at the end, and Chiswick wins a national championship, and two late years later he's out, and Gus beats Bama a few times, but then they get tired of him. I mean, it always ends bad. Is there any reason to think that yep. this won't eventually also end bad? Poorly. I mean, I think the answer to your question, and I wasn't alive for this, uh, was Shug Jurgen, the guy whose name is on the stadium. I think okay. he was able to retire. And, and now, Richard, we're going back early to mid-70s uh, for really? that. I can't remember the year Coach Jurgen retired. But Doug Barfield took over after him. He got fired, and everybody since then has gotten fired or asked to leave. I mean, you can word it any way you want. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you know, Hugh Freeze will be breaking a 40- or 50-year mold if he doesn't. But look, I mean, the real uh, Hugh Freeze is a good football coach, obviously, and knows how to co- knows how to coach a SEC program. We saw that at Ole Miss. If Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss were zero and five against Alabama and Nick Saban, I don't think he has this job. Now, I'm not saying the only reason he got this job was he was two and three in his five games against Saban, but buddy, you better believe that helped. I mean, it it. The Auburn fans took note of the fact that in back-to-back seasons, the only other person to have done that was Les Miles in 10 and 11. In back-to-back seasons, he beat Nick Saban. And and that went a long way in him being a candidate for this job. Was Les Miles on the radar for this? No, no, okay. no, 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 no. No, my only point with Les Miles. No, no, I know what your point was. Okay. I know okay. what your point was. I just was just trying to start up a little bit. No, 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 no. They would have hired Ed Orsrod before Les Miles, I think. One of the things that has stood out to me about Nick Saban Alabama teams is they're always focused. They always play well. The notable exception has been occasionally when they are playing in a bowl game that has no meaning, no bearing on the national championship, you don't get the A-plus performance. If Alabama does not end up in the playoff this year, what are we going to see from them in the Sugar Bowl or the it's Orange a, Bowl or yeah. whatever? Yeah. yeah. In all likelihood, it's the Sugar. For those that don't know, the only way they miss the Sugar is for Tennessee to somehow jump them and be the highest-ranked non-playoff team from the SEC. Or if LSU shocks the world Saturday and doesn't make the playoffs, if they're the conference champion and doesn't make the playoffs, they're in the Sugar. So in all likelihood, it's going to be Alabama. And in all likelihood, they're going to catch Kansas State and you get the feel, Richard, this is going to be Kansas State Super Bowl, and Alabama is going to go through the motions because that is what has happened. And I think the biggest thing to watch, Bryce Young is going to be a top, in all likelihood, top five NFL draft pick. Is he going to play in the game? He's got a legitimate reason with that shoulder that he has, you know, he's had to fight through all year. Will Anderson is going to be a top five pick. Will he play in this game? You already got guys today, some of them contributors like Treshawn Holden hitting the portal. Um, I mean, it, uh, who's going to be on the roster, and are the guys on the roster engaged in this thing? I mean, that has, to your point, that has been what has plagued Alabama in the rare times 
that they have missed the playoffs going to these bowl games has been really, really tricky just because, I mean, for, and boy, this, this sounds like an arrogant statement for, for an Alabama fan to say, but there is truth to it. For a lot of teams getting to the Sugar Bowl is a huge accomplishment. For Alabama, it has been a disappointing season that gets them there. Yeah. Um, Alabama six, Tennessee seven. Any surprise, any disagreement in those two things? Is it simply a well, function of Hendon Hooker's injury? Yeah, I, no, I mean, because I think, I think it's as much a function as getting blown out as Hendon Hooker's injury, blown out by South Carolina. Now, it, it has been an unpopular opinion here, but I maintain Tennessee should be in front of them. I put value in the head to head there. Yeah. And a lot of people say, well, Tennessee got blown out. Well, that's a team you lost to. I mean, if they got blown out by South Carolina, you lost to a team that got blown out by South Carolina. I mean, you gotta, you gotta wear that. So I would have Tennessee in front of them. It's fairly irrelevant. I mean, it's the difference in the sugar and the orange. Um, but I, I would personally have Tennessee in front of them. Um, but, but everybody was watching last night to see if they were in front of Ohio State. That was the key one. Do, um, is there any combination of results this weekend that gives Alabama a path to the number four spot in the playoff? I, I personally do not think so. But if you wanted, if you wanted to paint a picture that did it, I think Georgia and Michigan, and I'm almost ready to say TCU are locked in. But let's assume TCU isn't. Georgia and Michigan are. Okay, let's assume TCU isn't. And let's assume TCU loses by three touchdowns or four touchdowns to Kansas State. That was a blowout in the making before Kansas State had injuries earlier this season. So let's assume Kansas State closes that deal. And then let's assume USC Friday night loses by a couple of touchdowns to Utah. Then, you know, especially USC being a two-loss non-conference champion, you could easily jump them. You know, TCU's the tricky one. I could see one of the two, Alabama or Ohio State, jumping them. Um, but both of them? And, and, and here's the problem with that. If you jump both of them in, you have now created a final four that is two SEC, two Big Ten. And they can say all they want. They don't look at that, but you know good and well, Richard, they look at that. And I, I don't think that's something that they would want. So I, I just personally don't see a path for Alabama. I, I painted you chaos there and it, it's even hard for me to, to thread the needle with that kind of chaos. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. There's nothing that can knock Georgia or Michigan out. Although Michigan losing to Purdue, I still don't think they're falling past four. I, I think that would be yeah. harder. Um, but yeah, so if you if you say there are two spots up for grabs, it would take two blowout losses. I don't even know if three touchdowns mm-hmm. would be enough with TCU. I mean, it might take them getting beat forty six to ten. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You know like, yeah. We're going to put that team in the playoff? We've had questions about them all yeah. along. So, I, I don't know. Do you still enjoy bowl season? I, I mean, look, I've always been one that accepts bowl season for what it is. They're exhibition games. And I know a lot of old school fans don't like to hear that, but I've always maintained the bowls outside the playoffs. The bowls mean something to both fan bases and people that are gambling on the game. And... Uh, to me, that I mean, it's just they're exhibition games. I, I don't have a problem with them, and in fact, I don't even think you ought to have to be six and six. I think bowls ought to be able to take anybody they want. And I've never been. We got a too many bowls guy. Uh, more football the merrier for me. But you, I just understand that these are exhibition games. They just don't have a ton of meaning. Last thing for you, and uh, I'll just leave yeah. you on a slightly controversial note. Did John Cohen hire Hugh, Hugh Freeze, or did somebody else do it? Um, there was influence there. They could say all they want. It was a John Cohen hire, but this is a guy that the power brokers, um, that are the old Pat Dye people wanted when Brian Harson was hired. 
So if he happened to do this all by himself, he somehow stumbled into the guy that the big power brokers absolutely loved already. It seems odd that John Cohen would have picked Hugh Freeze all by his lonesome. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree with you. I mean, just, I'm just I saying that John based on the state in which I live, but you know. But oh, I know. I know. Everybody over here realizes that too. Trust me. That, that is not lost on people in this state either. Ryan, thanks as always for your time. Great visiting. All right, boys. Y'all be good. Enjoyed it. Ryan Brown from the next round joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Ton of football content there. We've got more coming up with you after this. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Conversation with Ryan Brown from the next round on the Farm Bureau guest line. You hear me say it all the time. Don't don't let it just like blur into the background noise. Farm Bureau, we, we tell you to go with the home team. It's because you're dealing with people that you know. Um, favorites.com is the website. It's really simple. If you go to their website, favorites.com. All you have to do is type in your zip code. So I go there right now, type in 38655. That is my home zip code for Oxford. And then hit get a quote. And it takes you to a screen where you can choose to get an auto quote or a property quote, or you can bundle those coverages. They will uh, reach out to you. You can do it online. But the thing is, you're dealing with local agents, local offices in all 82 counties in Mississippi, very likely someone you already know working at the uh, Farm Bureau office. Become a member, become a part of the home team. That's Mississippi Farm Bureau. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us this afternoon. Um, anything from the conversation with Ryan that stood out to you guys that we should delve into a little deeper? Well, there is a message board that... Uh was really privy to uh, Lane Kiffin and Auburn's situation and uh, reminded everybody how wrong we were when we said that he turned them down uh, because that isn't true. And and Ryan now, a well-respected media member that's been in Birmingham for for how long, also is lying uh, about Lane Kiffin and and Auburn. Uh, so, So Ryan's in on it too. Not only are we in on it, and Pete Thamel's in on it, and Ross Dellinger's in on it. But now Ryan Brown. I mean, his integrity's gone, too, because he's in on it as well. Wait, is this an Auburn message board or a Mississippi State message board? Uh, Both. One, but Mississippi State in the screenshot that was sent to me last night. Not six-pack. It may have been on there, too, but six-pack and I, we have a good relationship. I like the people on six-pack's peak. Six-pack's peak. Yeah, good people there. I like them. Yeah. So, I mean, just stay, just wake up, Borky. That's what I would tell you. Hey, well, we got to connect tell Ryan the dots, to wake man. up. Ryan better um, wake up too. Stay woke in the in the good way. Hmm. 
College football playoff top 25 came out last <laughs> night. Georgia yeah. 1, Michigan 2, Michigan. TCU 3, USC 4. Which is what we thought it was going to be. You guys didn't agree that that's what it should be. You thought that Michigan should leapfrog Georgia. They did not. So this gives you, if, if chalk holds, if Georgia beats LSU, Michigan beats Purdue, TCU beats Kansas State, Southern Cal beats uh, Utah, and it stays exactly the same, that means you get semifinal matchups, Georgia-USC and Michigan-TCU. It's pretty good, right? Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see Georgia's. Why? I just that that just reeks of college football to me. That's 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 old school. I mean, it's like the Rose Bowl. Oh, we said yesterday, it's the Rose Bowl in a different stadium. Yeah. The only thing that I really like about the matchup between Georgia and USC is you get to watch the best quarterback and the likely Heisman Trophy winner face off against maybe the best defense in the country. That's a good matchup, too. And Michigan-TCU could be fine. I mean, TCU has kind of proven they can score on anybody. TCU is kind of... You know, last year you had Cincinnati, right? Great story. Cinderella story. Cinderella story out of nowhere. But... You knew they were not going to beat Alabama. They they weren't. TCU can beat Michigan. So they have that little underdog. They have the underdog thing going for them, but they can beat Michigan. So that makes it interesting. Here's where the poll gets interesting. Five, six, seven. Ohio State gets punched in the mouth by Michigan in the game. And really dominated, especially in the second half of that game. They fall to number five. Alabama beats Auburn handily. They climb to six. Tennessee smokes Vanderbilt. They climb to seven. You have a Tennessee team that beat Alabama in head-to-head. They are both 10-2. and two. Tennessee's got a blowout loss to South Carolina on its resume. Alabama's two losses are really, really close, but they also have two wins that are really, really close. Well, and if not for a phantom fumble, the Tennessee game would have been two scores. But that that's the thing here, and it, it probably won't matter. At least you hope it doesn't matter because Alabama should not make the playoff. They have two losses in the regular season. They don't have to play this weekend No losses in front of them should move them into the playoff. You can kind of make an argument for Ohio State over USC, and and that would be fine and people would accept that. Otherwise, they shouldn't belong. But everything else is subjective, right? Well, Alabama's losses are closer than Tennessee's. Sure, they are. But you're starting to get into transitive property, which just doesn't apply. In college football. Do you think if Notre Dame lined up across the field from Marshall today, they would lose again? Sometimes weird things happen in the sport. But mm-hmm. there's there's something that is not subjective. You cannot argue it. It was mono e mono in Tennessee beat Alabama on a football field. It happened and everybody saw it. It was an incredible scene. When their records are the same, and all of the schedule metrics actually favor Tennessee... 
and one of them beat the other, that should be the trump card, Tennessee ranked ahead of Alabama. It should be Tennessee that has the outside shot at making the playoff if chaos ensues, not Alabama. Because they beat Alabama on the field. But they don't have their starting quarterback. The backup looked pretty phenomenal in his one game. You well. just can't. You can't do that. You, you have to. The team wins the games. The team deserves rewards. It can't just be like, well, you have this one great player, and if he's not there, we're not interested. It, it can't be that way. I mean, um, it just can't. Everyone's favorite, Wes Rucker, on Twitter last night tweeted this. I, I don't dislike Wes. I, I think, I mean, you, you have to take Wes for what he is, but I also think he's a pretty good reporter and pretty good writer. He says, here's the uncomfortable truth. Ignoring Tennessee and focusing only on OSU-Bama for the 5-7 debate the past few days is a crystal clear message that Tennessee hasn't regained national respect or legit relevance. Vols have to keep winning to get back to the big boy table. Just a fact. That's so stupid. Do you, do you agree with his tweet? No, it's what, what, what does respect from years past have to do with this season? What does that have to do with anything? We are talking about this season, the games that were played on the field in 2022. Well, but his care. point is that Tennessee beat Alabama and they have the exact same record, and yet here right. we are at the end and Alabama is in front of Tennessee. But, and but, Alabama yeah, is a bigger I, brand than Tennessee. I, That's th- the point. So, so that point I agree with. The, the, the fact that that is something that exists is stupid. I guess is how I should have phrased it. It's ridiculous that Tennessee have to has to earn respect in the eyes of a bunch of empty suits in a boardroom when they beat Alabama. They won the game. What is more respect earning than that? Records identical, head to head favors Tennessee. Debate should be over. Same thing with I mean So 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 we all think that Tennessee should be in front of Alabama. I think they should. They won the game. Are we okay with Ohio State being in front of both of them, being that they only have one loss? I get it. I'm less okay with it. Uh, I get it. Let, what do you mean less okay with it? I mean, I look at Alabama's losses by three on the road to uh, Tennessee and at by one on the road to LSU, and then I look at Ohio State losing by 18 at home to Michigan. I, mean, I know it's two losses compared to one, but I, mean, I think Alabama has a stronger resume. Does that mean Tennessee should be five in your mind, and Alabama six, and Ohio State seven? Probably. Ooh. I mean, the margins are just fine at this point. We've played the season. You are what you, I mean. You legitimately are what your record says you are. Clemson is number nine, at least according to the College Football Playoff Committee. They are number nine. Mm-hmm. Boo Corrigan had kind of a tough night last night. Um, He's had a tough season. Yeah. In terms of speaking for the committee, I mean, it's uh, that is a pretty thankless job. But apparently, I, I guess said last night that Alabama and Ohio State were not necessarily locked into the positions, the order 
in which they were in the poll right now, and then apparently kind of walked that comment back a little bit later. That was, you know, committee may get lucky where chalk wins this weekend and everything's just fine and nobody has a complaint about it, but hey, it has not been a smooth presentation from the CFP committee. Sports Talk Mississippi will wrap up the 4 o'clock hour with you coming up next. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Stick with this conversation for a second. The whole Alabama, Ohio State, Tennessee, although the order is Ohio State, Alabama, Tennessee. Five, six, seven in the college football playoff poll. Let's look at what these teams did. Because what the committee said last night was we are placing more value on close losses than wins. And we are placing more value on close losses than a head to head win. So Tennessee has wins over LSU, who is ranked 14 in the college football playoff poll, Alabama, who is ranked 6, Kentucky is not ranked, Georgia, that's a loss. Okay, that's it. Uh, did South Carolina, yeah, South Carolina, who's, that's a loss. Alabama has, what, one top 25, college football playoff top 25 win? Because they lost to LSU. Ole Miss fell out of the top 25 altogether. Is Texas still ranked? Texas is number 20. All right, and they have two. Where's the other one? Number 24. Mississippi State. At number 24. There you go. So they've got two. What about Ohio State? Sorry, I was cross-referencing two polls there. My bad. Uh, They have the win over Notre Dame. That is number 21 Notre Dame in the season opener. And they have a win over Penn State. Number eight. On the road. That's a road win. Yeah. Does does that make Ohio State's resume the best of those three? Yes, I think them getting in would be fine over Alabama and Tennessee. One fewer loss, big top ten road win. Their one loss is against the number two team. I think it should be number one, but whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, them getting in over Alabama slash Tennessee is totally fine. It's just. So, so, so the difference we're looking at, <laughs> like, just like we're dealing with the legal system here. Oh my goodness! So, so we're looking at at Alabama with a three point loss to Tennessee and a one point loss to LSU. Tennessee has the head to head win over Alabama, and they also blew out LSU. By the way, 
But with Tennessee, you're talking about two losses, a road loss to number one Georgia, and then they just got throttled against South Carolina. I mean, Tennessee's got no one to blame but itself. It was all there for the taking for Tennessee. If they take care of business against South Carolina, then they're number five right now. Their own fault. They might be number four. Yeah. They might be number four ahead of Southern Cal. Very easily could be, yeah. But they are at worst number five. And not not to go down this rabbit hole, but Tennessee's a good example. Well, Hooker's hurt, so maybe not. But there are teams that are going to be left out of the playoff that could win multiple games against teams that are currently in the playoff. You're telling me that that Alabama couldn't beat TCU and Michigan and Southern Cal. You're telling me Tennessee couldn't, even without Hooker, if Joe Milton looks as sharp as he did last week? I I gotta see more from Joe Milton than just True. a win against Vanderbilt where he looked pretty sharp. Yeah. But that illustrates the point though, doesn't it? It's it, you you've got teams that are gonna get left out that could beat teams that are in. Easily. So to say that four is enough. We I have some parody. We have a little bit of parody this year. It's just a little bit, but there are eight, maybe nine teams in college football that could all beat each other. Georgia is not invincible. Michigan is not invincible. They're, they're, they can lose games. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there are some sure years we don't I'm, have that at all. I'm not sure that I'm buying the Joe Milton anything. He was 11 of 21 for 147 yards and a touchdown. Just uh, he was fine. He didn't make any mistakes. It's fine. Ohio they State ran made it a for run three sixty. That was a really surprising result, too. Vandy had some momentum. He thought they were playing well. And Tennessee with the backup and just goes in there and absolutely waxes them. I was really surprised by that score. Yeah. 56 to nothing. Mm. Yeah. Those frat boys weren't playing Rocky Top uh, Saturday night. They, they were not. They, they might have been early. playing it, but they were playing it inside. They weren't playing yeah. it outside for anybody else to hear. I do think the playoffs going to be fun. Should be. I I am interested to see what bowl season look looks like with opt outs. I mean, Ryan talked about Alabama, two huge decisions with Bryce Young and Will Anderson, and then what about other teams? Everybody at Mississippi State's going to opt out of the bowl game. Anybody at Ole Miss that will opt out of their bowl game? Guess we'll wait and see. You will have a few, even the guys that don't play much, Absolutely. just because they're in the portal. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is true. College football fix. That is how we will begin the five o'clock hour with you coming up next in the Pearl River. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoons starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Clock hour on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can visit them online at PearlRiverResort.com or you can just visit them in person 
at the uh, Golden Moon. Check out the sports book. Great place to hang out, watch games, and get in on the action. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with business internet. Gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business. For more, visit them online at ceasefire.com slash business. In just a minute, we will get into the uh, college football fix. You guys are going to think I'm crazy. I just want to take a peek at what's going on in the World Cup. So we do not have the knockout round set yet. Right? Not not yet. There's there's more to come. Correct. 16 teams advance to the knockout round, and you got bracket play, win or go home. Group A is set. The Netherlands and Senegal advance to the knockout stage. The Netherlands went 2-0-1. Senegal went 2-1. Ecuador and Qatar are eliminated. Uh, England and the United States advancing from Group B. Iran and Wales are eliminated. Group C, you've got Argentina and Poland advancing. Both Poland and Mexico had four points. They both went 1-1-1. But L Tree was minus one in gold differential and therefore... They will not be playing in the knockout stage. They were almost out on fair play rules, which would have been the funniest thing maybe ever. What was that? What did I miss there? So uh, it was 2-0 Mexico, and so they would have been even on goal difference. The next tiebreaker is fair play rules. They would have counted yellow cards accumulated in the tournament, and because Mexico had more, they would have been eliminated. Mm. But then Saudi Arabia scored in the in stoppage time, and it didn't matter at that point. But it would have been really funny to be like, well, if you played a cleaner game, you you could have stayed. But well, and, and they famously don't. But that's okay. Um, L Tree going yeah. home again. It's a, yeah. it's a shame. It really is. You you hate to see it. Group D: France and Australia are advancing. Tunisia and Denmark are done. In Group E, tough there is still uh, still matches to be played. Spain and Japan are currently in the driver's seat. Costa Rica plays Germany. Germany is a minus eleven twenty four favorite in the game. Costa Rica's Huge bad. favorite. They're not good. But Costa Rica has won a game in the group stage. They're one and one. Germany is not. They are 0-1-1. So here's my question. Um, so Spain and Japan still have to play? Is that right? I believe that's right. I think that's right, because you get Costa Rica and Germany playing, so that would make the most sense. Yeah. So a Germany win over Costa Rica combined with a Spain win over Japan and Germany could still advance to the... Um, to the knockout round, even though they are minus six in goal differential. Yeah. No, they're not. That's Costa Rica. Sorry, Costa Rica yeah. is the one that's minus six in goal differential. Yeah, anyway. So Germany could still get there. Uh, yeah. Group F, Croatia and Morocco. But uh, Belgium and Canada still trying to... Looks looks not good for Canada. Belgium still got a shot. Uh, Brazil is 2-0. and Brazil and Switzerland in Group G are uh, in the driver's seat with Cameroon and Serbia 
still trying to get there, and uh, Portugal and Ghana in Group H. So that's uh, that's what's happening in the World Cup. I don't, don't really know what all of that means. I do know that we have some of the knockout round set. Most importantly, yeah. the United States facing the Dutch on Saturday morning. I don't speak freaky-deaky Dutch. Uh, there are only two Oh, knockout. his father. Yes. Only two of the knockout uh, round games are fully set. The United States against the Netherlands and Senegal against England. France and Australia are waiting for their opponents. And then on the other half of the bracket, uh, nobody set yet. Completely. Right. So, there you go. So, That's your college football fix. Here's your college football fix. Driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. Stop by and saw my friends at Belt Ford in Oxford earlier today. Got some trucks on the lot. Just like at your local Mississippi Ford dealer, you can stop by and test drive an F-150 today. So let's talk a little bit about the coaching carousel, the coaching change season. This is far more tame than what we saw a year ago. Wisconsin fired their coach in the middle of the season. Jim Leonard was the interim, felt like he had a chance. Ultimately, they hired Luke Fickle. It's a big hire for them. I'm a big Mm -hmm. fan of his. Great hire. In Wisconsin, I don't know if you guys have ever heard anything about Madison, Wisconsin. Apparently, it's awesome. Great town. Like, one of the best college towns in America. You've got a massive fan base, an incredible stadium environment, and they win. But not enough. You know what I mean? It's like Auburn with a lake. But but they don't have the down. Auburn's right. got this chaos and coaches no, getting fired. No, no, no. I was trying to be funny. R- I was trying to be yeah, rumors of so. affairs and all that crap that that Auburn does. Wisconsin didn't do any of that. They just they just win, but not enough. It's ten wins. It's nine wins. They're they're very stable, but this feels like Wisconsin's kind of tired of it, and they went out and got a guy that they think can take them to the next level. And people talk about well, Luke Fickle's a, a you know he's a Big Ten guy, and that's true. Played at Ohio State, coached at Ohio State forever, but if Wisconsin's going to do that next level winning to make the Big Ten West actually interesting. They've got to get Southern players. You want to know why Ohio State's so good? They lock down their own state, and then they go to Florida, and they go to Texas, and they go wherever they want to get players. Ohio State recruits the South. Cincinnati has 18 players from SEC states on it. By my count, Wisconsin has nine, and most of them are from Missouri. If you're going to win at the highest level it's in college football... You've got to go south to get players. And Luke Fickle has demonstrated at Ohio State and at Cincinnati a willingness to go there. And Wisconsin has not gone there. And that's why they have good linemen, sometimes a good running back, and their wide receivers are a joke, and their defensive backs can't cover Ohio State's, and they lose the biggest game on their schedule every year. This seems serious to me. Like, they're about to be a contender. Yeah, I think there's another layer to the Wisconsin thing. Barry Alvarez was a great coach. He did it his way in an old, in the older version of college football. And when Barry Alvarez was no longer the coach, he became the athletics director. And then even slid back in and was the interim head coach at least once, maybe a couple of times when they had coaching changes. 
Barry Alvarez's fingerprints were, are, have been, etc., all over that football program and athletics department. Barry Alvarez is no longer the AD. Chris McIntosh is now the athletics director at Wisconsin. Now, he is a Wisconsin guy through and through. Played there, first-round draft pick, has worked as director of business development, associate AD, deputy AD, and since earlier this year or last year, the athletics director. Wisconsin is all he knows. And my guess is that there is still a heavy influence of and from Barry Alvarez on Chris McIntosh. But Wisconsin has famously been cheap when it comes to paying its head coach and to giving its football head coach the resources it needs to build a great staff, to retain that staff, and to invest in the program. Because, Borky, your point is they've won enough, but they haven't taken that next step. And it's going to take a willingness to invest at a higher level to compete at the level that Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State are competing in the Big Ten for them to take that next step. I can't imagine that Luke Fickle did not get assurances that that was going to happen for him to be willing to take that job. So that one is a great one to watch. But I'm with you on the surface. Blown away with Luke Fickle and feel like he is set to do a great job there. I mean, that was your guy if if Kiffin had left. That was your first guy, right? Like mine or Keith yeah, Carter's? You. Or, you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely where I would have started. I don't know that you would have gotten there. I mean, I think they were down the road with Luke Fickle at Wisconsin already. I'm not sure that you were convincing him to come to the SEC. But based on watching from afar and also talking to him one-on-one, some personal interaction, and just a little bit of time around him, absolutely blown away. He He's big time. Let's look at the rest of the movement on the carousel when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Find them online. We're getting close to Christmas, but it's not too late to order online from Genteel Apparel. Uh, Great golf shirts, great pullovers, vests, outerwear, pants, shorts. Got the whole gamut. Active wear. We've even got jeans now. If uh, if you want to get those, you can uh, get them online from genteelapparel.com or you can uh, stop by any of the men's stores that uh, that sell genteel apparel all across the state of Mississippi. Plenty of locations where you can uh, can find those. I got the uh, the genteel shirt. So this is like my favorite for this time of year. Like it's 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 cool, but it's not like freezing. So you go golf shirt underneath. I got the uh, genteel golf shirt underneath. Borky's got the uh, genteel pullover on there. Loving them. You're going to love them, too. 
GenteelApparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Coaching carousel, right? So we talked a little about Wisconsin, and it feels like a good fit. Matt Rule feels like a good fit to me at Nebraska. I don't know why. I mean, you know, Matt Rule at Auburn, okay, fine. If Lane Kiffin had left Ole Miss, Matt Rule at Ole Miss, yeah, okay, maybe. Matt Rule at Nebraska feels right. Tell me why that feels right. Because he's taken on projects before. Yeah, he just strikes me as a middle middle America kind of guy. Just, just totally at home in the heartland. He's an East Coast guy, but an East Coast guy that it feels like is going to be just fine in in the heartland. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Because you've got people that cover the sport that that are just so consumed with what happened in 1992 that they think that that is still the thing today. Nebraska, despite their sellout streak, which, by the way, is a joke. They've had thousands of empty seats at every game this year, but I digress. It's not a good job. It's a very difficult job. They are in a state that produces no talent whatsoever. They're in the lesser division of the Big Ten, stuck kind of nowhere. I mean, you think Nebraska's just going to waltz into Miami and get players to go play for Nebraska because of what Tom Osborne did? No. You need somebody that's going to be different or understands how to win despite the odds being stacked against them. They're not a sleeping giant. They're just sleeping. And Matt Rule has done it at Temple, and he did it at Baylor. Obviously non-traditional powers, and got them to winning basically right away. Nebraska's not what it used to be. It's not Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan, these big brands, Big Ten teams that have states that produce good talent and are nearby to talent-rich areas. Nebraska's in the middle of freaking nowhere. It's a different job, so you need a different guy to do it. Nebraska last won a national championship in 1997. They beat, um, gosh, they beat Tennessee Imagine in the Orange saying Bowl. that in 1997. Bowl Alliance National Championship game, 42-17. They won national championships in 94, Alliance. 95, and 97. Twenty four talked about the BCS. We had forgotten about the Bowl Alliance, Richard. My gosh, how yeah. that is super old there. Yeah. Uh there was the Bowl Coalition and then the Bowl Alliance, yeah. Um ninety seven beat Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Was that it was Peyton, Peyton Manning's, Manning's last game? game? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so they beat Miami in the uh, 1994 Orange Bowl. They beat Florida 62-24 to in the 1995 Fiesta Bowl. And they beat Tennessee in the 1997 Orange Bowl. Since then, they have one conference championship. That came two years later with Frank Solich still at the head of the program in 1999. Now, he won two more division championships. Bill Callahan won... One big Bill Callahan was the head coach at Nebraska for a while. Bo Pelini kind of had it going, but they decided that 10 wins wasn't enough and he was mean. 
And so Bo Pelini won four division championships at Nebraska, and then they, they pushed him out the door, and it's been a disaster since. So Matt Rule, going to try to uh, turn history around. What would you say? Too big for their britches. It's an epidemic. So Arizona State has hired Oregon offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham. He is now the youngest FBS head coach in the country at 32 years old. He's a former Arizona State quarterback. People are really excited about this. Kenny Dillingham is one of these guys that has kind of been dubbed as the next prodigy in uh, in college football. Any thoughts about Kenny Dillingham, or have I said everything we know about him? I don't mean he's young. He's 32. Yeah. That's a job, by the way, Arizona State, I thought made sense for Deion Sanders. I'm surprised. I mean, I guess they wanted to go with their guy, an alum, a young coach, catch him on the come up, but I really thought that was a good, would have been a good fit for Deion. He made Bo Nix look really, really good. He did. So that's a miracle worker there. And and Dillingham was a high school coach from two thousand Wait, what? That cannot be right. He's only thirty two. Yeah, this must be where he played high school football. Because he finished at Arizona State in twenty twelve and it's showing him as a high school maybe it's just ah, whatever. It doesn't matter. GA at Memphis, worked at Memphis for a while, worked at Auburn, then Florida State, then Oregon. Look at He's that. He, he was the quarterback there since 2017. He was the quarterback at that high school, 07 to 12. And then 13, I guess while he was still in college, he he, he was their offensive coordinator and QB coach. That can't, that, so, that, that, hold on. This, this, this Wikipedia page says that Dillingham began his coaching career at 17 years old after he tore his ACL during his senior year of high school. He started off working with the junior varsity team at Chaparral High School before being promoted to offensive coordinator of the varsity team at 21 years old. He was coaching at Chaparral. He went to Arizona State, graduating in 2012, Okay. Was hired to be an offensive assistant at Arizona State in 2014 under then offensive coordinator Mike no- Norvell. All right, well then makes sense, I guess. That's crazy, but yeah, it really is. It really is. But he was 17 years old, still in high school, when he got his first coaching job. He's been at it for a while. What do you make of David Shaw stepping down at Stanford? It was overdue. It was time. Yeah, I mean, programs just that program was once one of the elite college football programs. Year in, year out, they were going to win 10, 11 games. Now they're not. I'll and just the, go ahead. I'll never forget when Jim Harbaugh was doing the satellite camp stuff, and he was asked, David Shaw, I mean, was asked why he doesn't do the same, and he said that it would be a waste of time because kids from SEC states can't get into Stanford. And so I looked it up, and a fourth of Stanford's enrollment comes from SEC states. So when he said that, there were like two kids from Oxford High School that were playing football at Stanford. Yeah, I I mean, just, just 
you know, when you, you take a shot at the intellect level of an entire region of the country and the players in it, by the way, where the best players are, while not knowing that your school actively recruits and gets students from that region of the country, I, he kind of put me off ever since then. Tone deafness and also, I mean, painting an entire region stupid and, and young people stupid from that region just because they're from there is an incredibly ignorant thing to do. Yeah. It was rolling, right? And and, and they had a – so you had – Bill Walsh, and then he left, and then Bill Walsh came back again in the early 90s, and then it was Ty Willingham, and then Buddy Tevens for a, uh, a short amount of time, and then Walt Harris, and that was a really short amount of time, and then they went to Jim Harbaugh, and Harbaugh turned it around. They were really, really good under Jim Harbaugh. And early on they were good under David Shaw, but it fell off. They never evolved offensively two consecutive three and nine seasons, and David Shaw stepped down. That's a tough school with the portal, too. I mean, it, it's got to be really tough to use the portal at Stanford. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We've got bowl projections to take a look at. We'll continue to talk college football right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. So, there are a lot of Mississippi State fans, a lot of Ole Miss fans that are wondering where are we going bowling? You got projections all over the place. Brett McMurphy has projections at uh, actionnetwork.com. It's just one sampling that we could look at. He um, has, let's just go through the SEC teams in Brett McMurphy's projections. He's got Georgia in the Peach Bowl as a college football playoff semifinal, matched up with USC. He has Tennessee against Tulane in the Cotton Bowl on January 2nd. Kansas State facing Alabama in the Sugar Bowl on December 31st. The Cheez-It... Citrus Bowl in Orlando on January 2nd, LSU and Purdue. The ReliaQuest Bowl in Tampa, South Carolina, Notre Dame. 
Can we stop just for a second and talk about how many fans South Carolina is going to take to a Florida Bowl game after beating back-to-back team top ten teams to finish out the regular season? And play Notre Dame. And play Notre Dame? Yeah. They still talk about winning back-to-back Outback Bowls 20 years ago over Ohio State in consecutive years. They still talk yeah. about that. Brett McMurphy has... Ole Miss and Illinois projected for the Music City Bowl. I think that Illinois might have the worst offense in college football. I think they might. Major college football. Okay. They can stop you, but, uh, I mean... They're really good defensively. Yeah. you got some NFL players on that side. But... 21 probably wins the game with you play Illinois. Seriously, you get a couple touchdowns early, and you can take three knees and punt and still win the game. Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. The Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Mississippi State and Pittsburgh. Me. Yeah. Uh... I mean, a location you've been to four times. Is that four? Yeah. No, be the fourth time in twelve years playing a middle tier ACC team. Eh. That would not be super exciting for Mississippi State fans. No, because and and because a week ago that projection was that bowl, but with Notre Dame in it. Now that would have been exciting, but yeah, that would have been really cool. It is what it is. Arkansas and the reason that's happening. Just real quick, the reason that's happening is because McMurphy is projecting the Rose Bowl to not take Ohio State. There's talk about that. They're not required to take Ohio yeah. State, despite them. They're not required out. to take that team, and Ohio State's been in the last two years. So they're saying that they may want some new blood. They might take Penn State, in which case Ohio State would go to the Orange Bowl, which would move everybody which else is, up a slot in terms of the ACC. Is that why Tennessee would get pushed to the Cotton Bowl instead of going to the Orange Bowl? Yes. Correct. Because it's the highest ranked ACC or, or, I'm sorry, highest ranked Big Ten or SEC team, and that would be Ohio State. Hmm. Uh, Tax Act, Texas Bowl, Arkansas and Texas Tech. Oh, gross. The AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Kentucky and Oklahoma State. It's a great word to describe Arkansas and Texas Tech. That's gross. Gross. Missouri and Memphis in the huh. Ticket Smarter <laughs> Birmingham Bowl. Ugh. I mean, I'd watch it because it's a football game, but ugh, terrible. Uh, I think we got one more here, don't we? We got the still got the Las Vegas Bowl to get to the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl, Florida and Oregon State. There's some talk that the Las Vegas Bowl would like Mississippi State there to try to get a Leach versus Pac-12 kind of matchup. Mm. But Mississippi State is pretty adamant that they don't want to go to the Las Vegas Bowl. What? Why not? Mainly because it's before the early signing day, so you lose a weekend where you could host recruits because you'll be out in Vegas. I mean, You don't get the full practice time either. Can't do without those four practices. Need those practices. 
I mean, definitely that that offense definitely needs to practice more to get that full playbook down for for sure. I mean, you, oh, you need the extra geez. time. I mean, Jacksonville or Vegas? That's like saying, uh, well, I mean, seriously. Well, I mean, for the average player, it doesn't make a difference. You're not going out on the strip all night anyway. But for the fans, yeah, I get yeah, it. But, that, but of course, a trip before Christmas too. That's that's a December seventeenth trip. That that's that's tough. And then you got Christmas in eight days. That's 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 a tough trip. But but that's like saying Jacksonville is like a sirloin from IHOP, and Vegas is like the porterhouse from Peter Luger. I mean, it just the the, the difference between those two places. I get it. I get it. If Brian Haydad was the only one we had to please, it would be Vegas. The only redeeming quality cool. that Jacksonville offers is that the Jaguars mascot walks around the sidelines in a speedo. And NFL, the NFL's fielding complaints about how the mascot is not dressed enough. So that's what Jacksonville's it's got rough. to offer. Otherwise, Vegas. For, for what it's worth, I have heard from two different very reliable sources that Ole Miss feels the exact same way about the Las Vegas Bowl. Kind of cool for the fans. Football yeah. team not interested in going there. It would be different if it was after Christmas and after signing day. If, that's, yeah. if this game was on like the 27th, 28th, it would be different. Kev doesn't want to go to Vegas? I mean, the NFL team is in Vegas, don't you? With his fourth, with his fourth <laughs> true. Down, no, 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 you don't no, want no, to see no, the Raiders. You, you got to play that. You got to play that out for me. But you know who the NFL team is in Vegas, right? I, I do. And you remember PTSD? Yeah, but the guy that fired him is now. You know, no longer His with son us. still runs the team. And that happened in Oakland in a baseball stadium, not in the Roomba. I'm just saying, he loves to gamble so much on the football field. I imagine like going down to the real Caesars Palace would be enticing for the guy. By the way, Southern Miss projected in the Lending Tree Bowl in Mobile also on December 17th. Okay. They get your SEC teams plus Southern Miss. These are just Brett McMurphy's projections. Um... There's plenty to find if you want other bowl projections. If you're not happy with that one, there's like ten others. Jamie in Oxford says, we don't trust Richard's sources yet. (laughs) James in Hattiesburg wants to know if one of my sources is John Sokoloff. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) I think there are a couple of... I, I think there are three places that you keep an eye on if you're an Ole Miss fan. I think the Houston Bowl, or the Texas Bowl in Houston is one you keep an eye on. I think Nashville is one that you keep an eye on. And I think Jacksonville is one you keep. I think those are the three spots that you really watch closely if if you're an Ole Miss fan. Jacksonville would be most likely if somehow LSU could beat uh, Georgia, Georgia and, get in, and can get in there. And even then, I don't know. I think you'd have to find a spot for them, though. A 10 and 3 SEC champion, they'd have to be in something, wouldn't, wouldn't they? Yeah. I would be honest. I mean, I know that Ole Miss has been to the Music City Bowl a couple of times, but kind of given the way the season ended, I'm not sure this is a year where you're going to have 15,000 Ole Miss fans try to figure out how to get on an airplane and get to a place that's a long way away or who are willing to make a really long drive. 
I think Nashville might be best-case scenario for Ole Miss this year because it's an easy enough trip. You can spend one night. If you just want to go to the game, you could make it a day trip. It's doable. It's not nearly as expensive. Everybody likes going to Nashville, even if that's not like your first favorite spot for the bowl game. I kind of think that would be best-case scenario. I kind of think the Texas Bowl is what you really need to keep an eye on. Everything's great about Nashville except the stadium right now. Well, the stadium's fine. It's just cold a lot of the time. Uh, that stadium is 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 not great. It's, it's lacking in the modern amenities. That game it will is. be a lot better when they're finished with the uh, the Top Golf that oh, they're building there yeah, the, the with a football one, yeah. field inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Sports Talk Mississippi, one last time with you coming up after this final timeout. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort studio. We will be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, on Friday, Mississippi Farm Bureau celebrates 100 years, and Super Talk Mississippi will be there. Join the entire team as we broadcast live from the Mississippi Trademark on Friday, celebrating 100 years of faith, family, and Farm Bureau. Also coming up this weekend, live from the Temple, is an event at the Temple Theater in Meridian that will feature over 24 Mississippi musicians performing to help restore the legendary Temple Theater in Meridian. The show is Sunday afternoon, starts at 2 o'clock, you can get tickets by going to thetempletheater.com. Hey, Dad, we had a question on the ceasefire text line. What are the three bowl games that Mississippi State fans should be keeping an eye on? I'll let you answer that in just a second. I'm curious if you guys have ever heard of anything quite like this. So Mexico, eliminated from the World Cup, Tata Martino, Gerardo Tata Martino, has left his role as Mexico's coach already after Eltree exited in a fairly embarrassing fashion. They beat Saudi Arabia 2-1 in their final group game, but it wasn't enough to make the knockout round the final 16. They missed out to Poland on goal differential. In a news conference after the game, Martino said his contract had ended. Quote, I am the first responsible for this terrible disappointment and frustration that we have. As the person in charge, it causes a lot of sadness. I fully assume responsibility for this great failure. My contract ended as soon as the referee blew the final whistle, and there is nothing more to be done. Well, okay then. I guess his contract was due to expire at the end of the tournament whenever it ended for Mexico. 
I would not go back to Mexico per- personally based on what has happened in some other countries when they're having losses like this. I would just, you know, you know what, find a nice place in Switzerland and just live out your days. The United States has owned him, too. Owned him. Hmm. All right, hey, Dad, what are the three bowl games that Mississippi State fans should be keeping an eye on in terms of uh, where they end up? Shouldn't I be teasing this and say you can hear about that on Thunder and Lightning Live in about an hour? But we'll go ahead and do it now. Uh, about an I hour? I would say... You mean in about yeah, five that was minutes? My plan for the, no, that was my plan for the final segment. Was the oh, bowl okay. Okay, okay. Um, I'll still come back to it. Uh ReliaQuest, Gator. So that's Tampa and, and Jacksonville. Then Vegas, yeah, or then either Vegas or Houston. I don't think it'll be Vegas, but there's a possibility. Okay. You don't think Nashville's in play this year? I don't think so, no. Last time, was it two years ago, three years ago? 2019, Moorheads last year. Okay. Uh, I think Brian, they'll end up in in, uh, in Jacksonville. Okay. As Brian Haydad mentioned, Thunder and Lightning on the radios coming up as soon as we get finished. His ratings were so good last week that I thought he was going to invite me back once again to uh, be on the radio with him, but uh, apparently not. I think he felt yeah. embarrassed to ask me to uh, to give of my time two weeks in a row. Well, that and, you know, you didn't want to be there for the celebration. Are people still talking about that? It was so last week, man. It was so last week. Uh, Figure people would be on to Coach Yans by now. Or Yans. We're going to talk about Coach Yans and uh, his, you know, if if Gary Parrish ran the world, his ranked MSU basketball team. Ooh. Ronked. Ronkins and his ronked basketball team. Well, um, big show for me. You know, big show tonight. Big Zach day for in me. Oxford yeah. says, uh, any news on Bowles, Ole Miss, should look for. Sorry, just now tuning in. Yeah, I think the three to watch for, Zach, are uh, the Texas Bowl in Houston, um, Jacksonville, Gator Bowl, and Music City Bowl in Nashville. I think those are the three you keep your eye on if you're an Ole Miss fan. I, I I think that's I think that's where it ends up in one of those three. One of them has to go to Vegas though, because the hangover references on this show would be top notch for the. They would be good. Two and a half weeks leading up to the game, uh, we could oh. let the dogs out. All right, I was going to bring this up on the show, and we haven't brought it up today. Earlier today, Mississippi State linebacker Buki Watson announced he would be back for his uh, COVID year. That was huge news. Now Mississippi State defensive lineman Jaden Crumedy has announced he will be back for his COVID year. That is two huge pieces for Mississippi State. We will talk about that a lot more on Thunder and Lightning Live in just a few minutes. Is Randy Charlton done? He's gone. (laughs) (laughs) If not for Randy Charlton's fingertips, Uh, we might still be playing the Egg Bowl. Who knows? Six days later, still the alternating two-point conversions. Uh. All right. Odds are it would have ended before now. Probably. It's a long wait. Thanks for uh, being with us. Thursday edition of Sports Talk Mississippi comes your way tomorrow starting at uh, 3.06. 
Hey, Dad, coming up next with Thunder and Lightning on the radio, we are done in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Good night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWGEmployerServices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.